You're listening to the Creekside Church Message Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Terry, which is from our sermon series, The Beatitudes, Jesus' Talk on the Hill. For more information, please visit our website at www.creekside.org. Good morning, everybody. I want to welcome you to... Oh, okay. That, hey, that's your outtake, not mine. <laughs> hey, good morning, everybody. I want to welcome you on this beautiful day, this beautiful morning to Creekside Church Online. Here we are, December 13th. We're 12 days away from celebrating our Savior's birth. And I trust that you are entering into the glories and the grandeurs of the season and keeping your focus on Jesus. Today we're going to be talking again from the Beatitudes, and uh, we're looking about the looking at the pure in heart. Uh, Jesus has some things to say to us about that today, and I think purity is really an important subject. I mean, it's part of our worldwide conversation when you consider the importance of hand sanitizers and the fact that we're wearing masks. As a matter of fact. Uh, I want to read uh, just a little reading section from a book by John Ortberg that I read uh, a while back that really speaks to this idea of purity. He goes on to say, purity is a wonderful thing. When something is pure, it exists in its essential nature. It's undefiled. It's unblemished and uncontaminated. Uh, We're really serious about forms of purity in American society. There's a whole department of the federal government, the Food and Drug Administration, which is charged with monitoring the standards of purity. But they're not always what we might hope for. Here are the federal guidelines of purity for a few familiar products. Take apple butter, for instance. If the mold count is 12% or more, if it averages four rodent hairs per 100 grams or more, if it averages five or more whole insects, excluding, of course, mites, aphids, or scale insects per 100 grams, the FDA will pull it from the shelves. Otherwise, go ahead and put it on your English muffin this morning. How about coffee beans? If you're a coffee addict or you're having a cup this morning, you might want to set it down. Coffee beans will get withdrawn from the market if an average of 10% or more are insect infested or there is a live insect in each of two or more immediate containers. Uh, The FDA says that people just don't like getting too many live insects with their coffee beans. One container is okay, uh, but that second one, they're going to draw the line on. Hopefully you didn't get the second one. Mushrooms. Mushrooms can't be sold if there is an average of 20 or more maggots of any size per 15 grams of dried mushrooms fig paste. If there are more than 13 insect heads per 100 grams of fig paste in each of two or more subsamples, the FDA ruthlessly tosses the whole batch. Apparently, uh, other insect body parts are tolerable, but none of us want uh, the insect face or head staring back at us, do we? Hot dogs. Wieners. Hot dogs. I don't think you even want to know about that. See, if anything is really good, we long for it to exist in its pure form, oxygen without exhaust fumes, snow unmixed with slush. 
And this holds true of the people we know. Purity is a word that's greatly prized in the New Testament. Unfortunately, in our day, it's been largely lost. It sounds quaint, Victorian, prudish, bloodless. It sounds as if a person isn't fully human when actually God's call for all of us is to be pure. That is precisely his call for us to be purely human. Humanity as it was intended to be uncontaminated by sin. And see, loved ones, in our day, uh, we're concerned. We're concerned with purity and so many things. Uh, even this bottle of water I have here, it says purified drinking water. We want clean air. We understand that, especially here in California. But Jesus says that really one of the most important things is that you have a pure heart. And he speaks to the importance of this in these Beatitudes. The, the essence really of, of living out and entering into having a pure heart. It's the courage to live with a sense of personal integrity. It's where we allow the Holy Spirit to bring wholeness into all of these broken areas of our lives. And when you see me, that's what you get. This whole person, the real me. I'm not wearing a mask. You're not wearing a mask. It's getting out of our secret lives and living really in the open and becoming whole and being pure, not only before people, but before our God. This is an important beatitude on purity of heart because it can only come after we hunger and thirst after righteousness, which is simply that rightness, being right with God and rightness with humanity. It's after you've experienced the mercy that God gives us and you mourn over the sinfulness of your lives because you understand or you're growing in your understanding of exactly what God has done and accomplished in your life. And so I want to read again the Beatitudes and uh, read down to where we are today. Matthew chapter 5, let's begin at verse 1. It says, now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. And then he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of God is theirs. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Happy, joyful, blessed are the humble, for they will inherit the earth. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled. And blessed are those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. I love that. Why, why is the heart so important? The scripture is replete with references and statements and scriptures and examples about the heart. Uh, in Matthew chapter 13, you'll see where the, the heart is kind of likened to a storehouse. It's this place where things are brought to, kept, and stored up. Really, from the very beginning of our life, we have this storehouse in our heart that things are placed in. Your heart becomes this receptacle, a storage area of a number of things. Uh, many of them are good that we place in there, but there's also so many other things that, well, they enter in or we store them in and they become toxic to our soul and they cause us issues and problems. The Lord says, I want you to be careful 
because your heart is a storehouse of many things. I want you to be careful what you take in. I want you to be careful what you store there because it's ultimately going to affect your life and what takes place in your life and the direction of your life. Uh, in Mark chapter 4, the heart is likened to soil. It's likened to a garden, soil where the seed is thrown and our heart is like the soil that receives the seed in the context of God's words. And we begin to see very clearly, and we even see it in that passage in Mark chapter four, where Satan, the enemy of our soul, loves to come and sow different kinds of seeds and plant seeds of discouragement and doubt and discord. And, and that passage even talks about how they become weeds in our life, that in the garden of our heart, they come and they begin to choke out the good things that are there and the things that we want to see grow and that produce life. But pretty soon, if we're not careful, they'll overtake and they'll produce a harvest of negative characteristics and attributes uh, that we really never wanted produced and becoming the fruit of our life. Lord saying very clearly, watch over your heart because those things planted in there, those things that are deposited and thrown upon them, they're going to surface and they're going to produce a crop. And good things will produce a good crop. Bad things, negative things will produce a bad, a negative crop. And the Bible also talks about our heart being a spring. Uh, Proverbs 4.23 says it this way in the uh, NIV. Above all else, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows out of it. And think about that. Everything you do comes from your heart. Uh, the New Living Translation says it this way. Guard your heart because above all else, it determines the course of your life. The direction you take, the decisions you make, the places you go, uh, those all flow, it says, out of your heart, because that's what's going to determine your course. See, our heart's like a spring. It just flows, and the issues of life begin to flow out of it. All the things that you entertain yourself with, that you take in, the things that you hear, the things that are planted, they're going to flow out of you like a spring, just like a spring that just kind of moves along. It's going to take you, and it's going to direct you. And you say, well, I'm not really sure about that. Well, you're going to decide how important this is. Because ultimately, if that's true, if this thing comes out of us like a spring, it's going to affect your family. It's going to affect those around you in your relational orbit. And the Lord says this will determine the direction and the course of your life, how you live and how you'll lead others. And all of these are so important, loved ones, also for, for our mental health, because when you have a pure heart, you're not dealing with all the guilt and the gunk from the past, but you've given it to God who comes to flush out and to wash it away because he cares for you. All the condemnations of your past that so many carry around, the guilt of your past that you carry with you, all the clutter and all the worries that just continually get in the way. And he comes to, well, with his spring of living water to flush those out. Uh, when you're tempted, the pure in heart, the person that's pure in heart is always going to want to choose God's will and God's way. He says, I want you to watch over. I want you to guard your heart above all else because it's going to direct the outcomes of your life. 
So being pure in heart, what is Jesus? What do you think he means by that? Well, I, I, I want to give you a few things that I believe Jesus means when he says, I want you to be pure in heart. See, the words in heart indicate a kind of purity that Jesus is talking about. He's not talking about those, you know, you take a nice shower, kind of spiffy yourself up, you smell good and you're all clean. It's not an outward cleansing. Some people think, well, maybe it's a religious ceremonial cleanliness. No, it's not. Uh, Jesus isn't saying that blessed are those who keep all the rules and ceremonial regulations of the law. That's not going to make you clean either. That was the kind of purity, though, that back in Jesus' day that he talked about in the Gospels all the time, that so many of those religious people, overly righteous people, prized. They had all these rules and regulations that, you know, if you, if you touched a dead body or didn't wash your hands properly or didn't do this or you did this, you were considered unclean, and then you had to clean yourself. And if you didn't, you were unable to really worship the living God. It was all about this outward purity. It was part of their religion. But there came a point and Jesus comes and he says, here's what I'm looking for. It's not about the outward things you do. It's about the inward things of your heart. Now, this isn't to be confused when we talk about the meaning of what purity is or isn't. I was golfing uh, a few years ago at uh, Pacific Grove Golf Course, and I went in to use the restroom, and there was this sign above the toilet. I couldn't believe it. This is what it said. Toilet uses recycled water. Do not drink. <laughs> can, can you believe that? My first thought was, well, who in the world is going to get down on their hands and drink from it, you know? Or is somebody going to, like, you know, get a cup and you know, pull it out? Who, who's going to drink from that? But I suppose there's people that you and I know, they take in all kinds of things that they know they shouldn't. People with pure hearts are committed to God and to love him and to live for him and to choose his way. Purity basically says that you'll see him and you'll experience him. Isn't that really what we all want is to see God, to experience his life? And I don't mean see him in person. That will come someday for those of us who follow him. But we just want to see and experience and sense the reality of God's presence. I think Jesus meant that to have purity of heart, you're going to choose God's will and to worship him. We're not going to choose my will. I'm not going to choose my way. I'm not going to do what I want. When it comes to these divergent paths in my life, I think a person that has a pure heart is always going to choose God's way and God's will, knowing that that is really what part of their life becomes worship. It isn't just that they sing, but when they make the right choices that God gives them to make, part of our worship is giving worth to him by making the right choices. Worship, hear me, loved ones, worship doesn't just happen in this room. I, I hope there's elements of worship that are happening right now today, maybe in your bedroom, maybe in your kitchen, maybe in your living room, or your dining room, wherever you're watching this, and then even when it's off, that there will be these elements of worship that take place as you walk through your home, as you drive today. 
It's when these things happen, I'm convinced that it's like Paul says in Philippians chapter two, he says that we can become navigational points for others in this crooked and difficult world. Why is that? Well, it's because we choose God's way. We choose to worship him. People begin to see that and sense that about us. Uh, Psalm 24 uh, verses three and four says this, who may ascend to the mountain of the Lord, who may stand in his holy place, Here's who it is. He gives the answer. And he says, it's the one who has clean hands and a pure heart. Who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false God. See, that's why God's first concern for us, loved ones, is that your heart would be pure. Because that's really all we have to bring to him ultimately is our life. The heart is the essence of who a person is, of whom a human's personality, what they're about. It includes their mind, their emotions, and their will. What you think and what you feel. And here's the truth. Whatever we worship, whoever we worship is ultimately what we'll become like. And that's why Jesus says, I want you to have a purity of heart that chooses my will and worships my life. I, I think to have purity of heart means you want to please Jesus. Uh, Paul on a number of occasions said that the goal of his life was to please Christ. Now, what's the motive of your life? What's the motive of my life? I believe it's supposed to be that we please him in all we do. Why? Because, well, he's at work in me, leading me. I want to hear his voice. I want to hear the direction of his life that he has for me. I want to know what he's all about. I want to live for him. Matthew 12, 34, Jesus says this, it is out of the overflow of the heart that the mouth speaks. Your words are an expression of your heart. <laughs> we, we don't like to make things quite that practical, do we? Because if we really look at our mouth, what are we saying? What's coming out of them? But what we speak, the words that we declare, the statements that we make, well, it simply speaks of our relationship to Jesus and the work that's taking place of him, from him, within us. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 15, 19 through 20, out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what make a man unclean. But eating with unwashed hands does not make him unclean. What he's saying is it's what's inside. It's what's in the heart. It's not what we do out here. That's not what makes somebody unclean. Your actions are always an expression of of your heart. Your words and your actions both come from the heart, the inward you. And that's why God's so concerned about the heart and that we would live, loved ones, with purity of heart. See, if you change the heart, you change everything about a person. Our attempts to change ourselves and others often fail because we aren't radical enough. We don't go deep enough. We don't go far enough. We try and deal with the cosmetics and the outward. We want to do the window dressing, uh, but not the foundational work that takes place in the heart. We're more into image management than heart overhaul. 
Jesus says, ultimately, the heart is the issue, the crux of the matter. I think Jesus would say the purity, the pure in heart are those who live an unmixed life for his glory. See, pure, purity means unalloyed, mixed, singleness. We would use the word integrity, which simply has to do with being whole, having wholeness. The pure in heart, they're sincere. They're free from falsehood in their relationships with God and with people. Their whole life is transparent. It's... It's pure in heart. You've got nothing to hide. You've got no closets. You live with integrity. It's how you live with character when nobody's looking. Uh, Jesus said in Matthew 7, 17 through 18, a good tree bears good fruit and a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. And what he's saying is, is what you are produces ultimately what you do. What you are ultimately produces what you become. And Christianity is always about being before doing. But so many get the cart before the horse and they want to have image management, but they want to do things before they really understand about being what Christ wants. And Christ always starts an inward work in our hearts. See, this is what he's ultimately communicating is that, you know, if you want to live for his glory, never forget that if your heart's clean, if your heart's pure, your words and your actions will be good and they'll be pure. The kind of person you are on the outside is simply a reflection of the kind of person that you are on the inside. Again, that's... It's kind of bottom line, and we don't always like that. Now, here's the point. None of us are perfect. And and, and Jesus isn't saying be perfect as much as he's saying pursue the perfect one and allow me to do the deep digging, the deep hoeing in your heart uh, so that we can bring change and bring purity and take out all of those things that are mixed and impure. See, we embrace the Lord Uh, John 16, three says, you are already clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. See, this is why we make such a big deal about what we call daily devotionals or time with God alone. We want to get God's word into our heart, into our life, because as it says in John chapter four, it is simply, our heart is simply the seedbed that the word of God begins to go into and take root. It's where it starts working and it begins to change you. And see, we embrace the Lord and we've, we embrace the Lord. It says he's already cleaned our hearts. If you read in John chapter 15 and in John chapter 13. But a pure heart is focused on becoming like Jesus and living with Jesus. See, all soap is clean, but only one soap is pure. 99.44% pure. You know what that is? It's ivory soap. It doesn't have deodorants. It doesn't have perfumes. It doesn't have additives. It doesn't have colorings. Ivory soap is nothing but soap. See, the pure in heart see God, but so often our vision of him, our ability to see and to hear him can become so obscured by all the additives and the scents and the colorings 
of life going on around us. Jesus says, I want you to fill your heart with God's word and worship. And let it work in you, giving you a heart of single-minded devotion. Paul said it this way in, as he was speaking to and challenging the church in Corinth. 2 Corinthians 11.3, he says, But I'm afraid that just as Eve has deceived you by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from a sincere faith and devotion to Jesus. Jesus said you can't serve two masters. You can't have a divided heart. That's why he challenges, because the pure in heart are those who have a single-minded devotion to Jesus. <laughs> we, we would say it very simply, they're Jesus first people. So how do I move toward those things? How can I become a person that's pure in heart? Well, let me say it this way. First and foremost, you can't purify your own heart. And that's where a lot of people get so frustrated. They'll hear a talk like this or they'll read this scripture and they say, okay, I'm going to do this. Well, there's a cooperative element to it, but ultimately only God can make our hearts pure and we get to walk with him and listen to him as he does it. Listen to Proverbs chapter 20, verse nine. It says, who can say, I have kept my heart pure. I am cleansed from my sin. Nobody can, it can't be done by human effort. Uh, Job 14.4 says this, who can produce something pure from what is impure? No one. See, we have this doctrine, we have this theology uh, of sin that we've all been born with iniquity and sin. We can't change that aside from the life of Jesus Christ. We can't do it on our own. We need him. We can't take care of our sin. And here's what happens. is so often in so many people's lives that they try and do that and it simply leads to well, more sin or hubris and pride to believe that people can do it on their own. They can take care of it in their own way. Way. And that's why our Christianity is not about what we do. It's about what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the heart is more deceitful above all things and beyond cure. We can't do it. We simply get deceived by our own heart. You can't cure your own heart. David prayed this after a massive failure and a deep excursion into sin. This is a repentant psalm, and in Psalm 51, he declares, Create in me a pure heart, O God. See, he knew that God alone could purify his heart and cleanse his sin. How does God do that? Well, 1 John chapter 1, verse 7 says this, If we walk in the light as Jesus is in the light, we have fellowship with one another in the blood of Jesus. His Son cleanses us from all sin. See, when we walk in the light, that is when we live this authentic relationship because the light of Jesus just opens us up and he begins to allow the spotlight of his life to show us those things that need to be adjusted, need to be touched, that need to be purified. How does that happen? Well, really it happens first and foremost because of what he did on the cross to die for us and to die for our sins. And we begin to, as 1 John 1, 7 says, is we begin to walk with him, trust in him, spend time with him. 
Let me just tell you, there's nothing like spending time with Jesus and kind of getting the spiritual ivory soap out and allowing the word, as it says in Ephesians 5.22, that it begins to wash over us and to cleanse and to remove spots and wrinkles from our life. Remember when uh, those of us who have had kids, I remember uh, our one son, he loved to spend an hour in the bathtub And he would just play and we'd just turn the water on and make it warmer for him again. And he would just play and there'd be suds and he'd get clean. And by the time he was done, he looked like this little prune. But after an hour, he was finally ready to get out and he was spotless. (laughs) Imagine if we did that with Jesus where we just took 15 30, 45, 60 minutes a day and spent time with him and his word and we worshiped him and we allowed all of that just to wash over us and to flush out our soul of the impurities that we can just simply pick up day by day as we walk. This is so important, loved ones. Because it's this sin that hinders a heart to see what the Lord is doing. Listen, I see people at least monthly, sometimes weekly, that they choose to go their own way. They don't choose God's will. They don't choose God's ways. They don't choose God's purposes for their life. And it simply wreaks havoc on their life. They know better, but they choose differently and to go their own way. I mean, think about it, loved ones. If we really believe in the love of God, don't you really think that God speaks these, some of these hard things, some of these difficult things to us, these beautiful beatitudes to us uh, because he really does want us to be happy, to be blessed because he loves, he cares for us and ultimately he knows what's best for us. See, without a pure heart, it's so easy to move toward the impurity that this world brings to us, which is sin in life. There's really two kinds of sin. There's known sin, things that we know are wrong and willfulness, and we do it anyway. God says, I want want to touch that area. I want to deal with it with you. But we say, no, thanks, Lord. I'm going to keep it. I, I know, I know it's wrong, but it's kind of like a pet sin to me. The problem with any pet sin is that it will grow up and it will eat you. It will cause problems in your life. That's why Jesus said, blessed are the pure, happy are the pure in heart. Because not only is there known sin, but there's unknown sin. It's those things that as we go through life that we don't really realize what they do to us or how they affect us. But God begins to reveal things to us. And he says, you know, something that weakness, we need to deal with that. We want to take care of that. See, sin is so insidious because it, it does crazy things. I could list a thousand things, but it's the kind of thing that, that makes a child hate a parent. Uh, it makes a person run to drugs. It makes a person, uh, a spouse, to leave another spouse and to divorce them. It makes a person step on, hurt, and abuse people. The Lord knows this, and that's the reason that he says purity is critical to your happiness to your blessing. Learning more and more, I can't change without God's help. Oh, I can change some of the exterior things, but it's the deep things in my soul 
that need to be touched so that I can have an enlarged heart for him. And we also, this happens, this purity of heart simply comes through choices of obedience. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus tells the story of two builders. We'll get to this in a few months. One is building on the rock and the other is building on the sand. A storm comes and it washes away the home that was built on the sand. These two men were given the same places, same areas to live in, the same opportunity, but one chose the shortcut of sand. The other one chose a foundation on the rock. And Jesus teaches his, his followers there on the Sermon on the Mount, talk on the big hill. He says, you know what? There's no hope when you build your house on the sand. The greatest hope anybody has is when they build it on the, the rock. Jesus, the rock. And part of that building process is living in obedience to what God says. That obedience has to do with God's way. You hear what he says and you obey it. There's two things that we can do and two ways that we can respond to this God that loves us. There's God's way that we hear his word and we obey it. We just kind of say, you're right, Lord, that's what I need to do. We take it, we embrace it, and we begin to walk in it. Uh, but there's a second way. It's our way. It's my way. It's our own way where we hear the word of God and we say, you know something? I'm not going to obey it. I don't want to go that direction. That's not what I want to do. And here's what happens. When you do that, you can either learn from obedience or you can learn on the second part from experience. <laughs> and so many of us understand this, I do, that when we learn from experience, there's incredible lessons that are so hard to learn from. They're so difficult. They can cause so much pain and they can cause so much collateral damage to the people around us. You read the life of David. He was a great man of God. God says in the New Testament book of Acts that David was a man after my own heart. But when he took that excursion into sin, he came back and he repented. But the sad part of it is, is that for years and years, he cried out to God and he lived in the pain and the collateral damage and the anguish of all of the family issues that were probably part and parcel of some of the sin of David's life. And see, loved ones, that's why Jesus challenges us. He says, you know what? You've come to me, you've believed in me, you've mourned over your sin. Now let's move you to purity of heart because your heart is going to direct your life. And I want to be the director of your life. I want us to stop here and Jesus knows best. I'm convinced Jesus says these things because he loves us. He cares for us. He wants the best. And maybe you're here today and you say, man, I, I, need, a, I need a gallon of that ivory soap. I just need to be washed in it. And Jesus would say, here I am. I'm more than willing. As a matter of fact, I can't wait. Sudge you up. Cleanse you. And it simply takes this moment where you say, God, forgive me of my sins. I repent. I want to I go another direction. I want to follow your direction. And it's as simple as that. That's where it starts. Acknowledge 
your sinfulness and say, God, I want to have a heart like yours. Let me go a little further. Maybe there's some of you that are Christ followers. You've got a clean heart because you've been following Jesus, but you've got impurities in your heart that are impeding your ability to really see him and to hear him and to experience the best of him. And maybe today you just need to take a moment and say, God, I know I'm going down this lane. I know I'm involved in this sin and I need to step out of it. And you can do that today too and begin, restart uh, this new path where you are declaring, I want to begin to have a heart that is pure and focused and single-minded toward God. And I invite you to do that today as I pray. So, Father, we come in Jesus' name. Lord, for so many of us, this is a difficult message because it's talking about those deep things in our life that so many people don't see, but we know they're there. And because you love us so much, you will put the spotlight of the Spirit on them. You will take and you will expose them so that you can deal with them. But ultimately, Lord, we have to simply open our lives to you. And I pray that today for those people who have never done that, that right now that, uh, that they could just simply say, Jesus, would you come into my life? I want to follow you and I want to pursue your path of purity. That's not perfection. It is simply a path of purity where you're continually cleansing my life. And if that's you today, loved one, would you just, there's a place on there where you can click. You'll see a hand on your screen. Just reach over and click that right now. We, 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 we're praying for you and we'll have people that are praying for you this week. We'd love to have your name and just let us know who you are. Go to the prayer room and say, hey, I'm, I'm receiving Jesus today. And we'd love to pray with you and send you a little gift. But click that hand. Let us know that you're making that decision. Some of us that are walking with Jesus, now we're not perfect. But we know when we're being disobedient. And I encourage you today, take a step back and say, Lord, I want to go your way. So Jesus, we come today, we humble ourselves, and we come before you. Touch our lives, fill us with your spirit, scrub our souls with the love of God and the cleansing stream of forgiveness. And we thank you for that today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You're loved. Have a great week. Amen.